So 74,000 a year. 63,568. Yeah, 3494 an hour for my W2 position, $55 an hour for my acute PRN position. Now I make $37 an hour. Um, that's after several raises. I am making $49 an hour for the 1099. Hello, I'm Megan Berg. And I'm Dr. Jeanette Benegas. And we're two SLPs on a mission to arm our colleagues with the knowledge they need to increase their pay and help elevate our field as a whole. Wage stagnation continues to be one of the major issues plaguing the field of SLP, and we are here to bring transparency around this issue. Each episode, we interview SLPs and ask direct questions about money so that all of us can use that information to better negotiate our salaries. If you're curious about what other SLPs make and want to know what you can do to make sure you don't get caught in the trap of never being paid what you're worth, this is the show for you. Welcome back, everybody. Today, our guest is choosing to remain anonymous. So we're going to go ahead and spin the random name generator wheel. All right. Today, we have Skylar. Hi, Skylar. Hi. How are you? Good. I'm going to mention that Megan's not with us today. So it's just Skylar and I doing this interview. So Skylar, tell us where you live. Um, I'm from Central California. And what's your race or ethnicity? I am white. And how would you describe your gender? I am female. Okay. Now, normally here we ask what setting you're in and how many years you've been working. But today our situation is a little different. Why don't you tell us where you're at in your career? I am currently a grad student and I graduate in 10 days. Yay. Congratulations. <laughs> Um, so we have you on because you have a pretty unique story, maybe, well, maybe it's unique. Um, mm -hmm. so we're going to talk through that a little bit, but, um, why don't you tell us what type of job you were looking mm -hmm. for? Um, I was mainly looking for pediatric, um, whether that was at a private practice or a school, I kind of thought for that first um, CFY year, a school kind of would be something I'd be looking for, just summers off in most cases, nice breaks, um, reasonable um, hours of the day. Uh, so I did apply primarily to schools. Okay. So a little bit of a spoiler alert. Have you found a job? I have. So tell us how many jobs did you apply to? Do you know? I think in total, honestly, I applied to about eight. And it wasn't as many as maybe I thought, but yeah. How many interviews did you have? Technically only one. So you applied to <laughs> eight jobs and you mm -hmm. only got called for one interview or did you turn some interviews down? I got some emails back, um, some texts that I I responded to some, some I didn't respond to. But since I had mainly responded to one in particular, I um, chose not to uh, maybe follow some of the other ones. So for that one interview, mm -hmm. how many times did you have? Well, tell us what setting. Was that a school? This is school setting, yep. How many times did you have to go in to interview? 
I did one interview over Zoom. And was that with the school directly or was it with a contract therapy company? It was with the school directly, the Zoom. For the school directly. And did did they offer you a position? Mm-hmm. Did you take it? I did. How much did they offer you? So at the time, um, that initial offer was $50 an hour. So I would be an hourly employee, hourly rate. So when I had signed the contract, it showed up, obviously, $50 an hour. You're having an eight-hour day, five days a week. That's 40 hours a week. I'm just going to remind everyone here that Skylar is in California, where the cost of living is way higher So we'll get to those rapid fire questions in a little bit, but that's not the typical starting hourly rate wage for a school SLP for a brand new clinician across the nation. But yeah, just that little reminder there, this is a special (laughs) situation. So for that contract, is was it a 1099? Were you going to be an independent contractor or a W-2? W-2 employee. Do you happen to know what other SLPs in similar job situations are making in your area? Well, so where I had my um, school-based externship, they had offered me a position there and it was 83000 salary, which I thought was pretty good. It wasn't the setting that I want, the age group that I particularly wanted to stay with long term. So I did not pursue that. But again, you're kind of looking at different things for different districts, depending. Um, A lot of places in California can't even find an in-person SLP. So they're contracting out Zoom through companies, that kind of thing. That's very, very popular in this area and other areas of California as well. So it's a wide range. You're looking depending on your area in California, anywhere from 72000 to 120000 for a school. So we're going to do a little math. For that $83,000 contract that you were offered, That's a ni- was that a nine-month contract? Mm-hmm. So that comes out to about $57-ish an hour. Mm-hmm. So that offer was actually higher than the one you right. accepted. Yeah, it wasn't particularly with the age group that I had really like desired. It's a wonderful offer and such a great district and stuff. I I seriously enjoyed my externship there, but it just wasn't long-term what I, maybe the age group I had anticipated myself like working with. So that's why I decided maybe not to pursue that one. Mm -hmm. With the job that you accepted, did you negotiate? Honestly, no. Haven't you been listening to other (laughs) SLPs pockets? Yes. (laughs) I don't know. I, I just didn't, it was, it was one of the first offers I got and it was what, maybe when I got it, it was early, I would say like early. So I was just so excited. It was the perfect district for me. Perfect area. I just thought I was like, yes, this is exactly what I want. Um, I'm happy to have the job. Yeah. And honestly, as I I signed everything, it was, it's, um, when you kind of contract through companies like that, they provide a ton of support in so many different areas. So you have kind of that backbone, whereas maybe if you're contracting directly with the school district, maybe you might feel a little 
more, maybe like less, like, I don't want to say handheld, but you, you maybe don't have that backbone. You have your supervisor there, but um, you're expected to maybe be a little bit more independent. So it, it was kind of nice to have s- some of those resources that, that came with the offer maybe behind me, backing me was maybe like a nice thing that felt kind of cushiony maybe to, to a new grad that feeling, you know what I mean? When you're like, oh my gosh, in a few months, I'm going to be doing this on my own. You kind of feel like, oh, well, they have all these resources and I won't feel so alone. So I asked you earlier, and now I I think I misunderstood your answer. I asked if you got hired for this job that you accepted, I asked if it was with a contract company or with the school, and you said it was with the school, but now you just said it's with a contract company. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you were hired at fifty dollars an hour with a contract contract company that that contracts you into the school district yes i had interviewed with the school that they set up all that kind of stuff so um i i interviewed um with somebody from the school but it is through contract hiring okay okay we have many sponsors to thank for making this podcast possible In the spirit of money transparency, we want you to know that each sponsor has contributed $250 for their ad spot. Half of this goes to our episode guests and the other half goes to Nishla in order to encourage students to listen in and gain the knowledge they need to negotiate their first SLP jobs. This episode is sponsored by the Credit Institute, a nonprofit CEU platform dedicated entirely to intersectional equity and cultural responsiveness. At Credit, you can earn hundreds of tax-deductible CEUs on topics related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. The best part? You can also earn graduate credits for that next bump in your school SLP pay while knowing that your dollars are going directly to queer, trans, Black, Indigenous, and SLPs of color, not to a large company that keeps profits at the top. Wondering why you should sign up for credit? It's education you won't find elsewhere with your favorite SLPs helping you to unpack your biases and become a better clinician. The only way we can provide the highest quality of services to our diverse caseloads is to learn about diversity and not just once during graduate school. Join us at the Credit Institute to see what it's all about. Trust me, If you put up a black box in your profile after George Floyd's murder and are stuck with where to go next, make credit your next stop. You can find us at thecreditsinstitute.org or on Instagram at thecreditsinstitute. All right. So you didn't negotiate. Now you'll never not, you'll never not negotiate again now that you've start on this podcast, Skylar. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So you just took the first offer, which I don't mm-hmm. think is uncommon for yeah. new grads. I think like you, I think new grads are just excited to have a job. They're excited to be finishing school. They maybe don't have the knowledge or skills to be negotiating. So I'm going to mention here that we have linked up a website, an SLP careers website, where you can go if you're looking for jobs, you can see what people are making in your area. We'll put that again in today's show notes. Just disclosure, it is not our website. We don't maintain it or run it. And we do not know the person who does. We've gotten a couple emails. I think if you're looking at it or trying to fill out the form through your phone, I think there's an ad at the bottom that gets in the way. We have no control over that. So just disclosure there, it's not ours, but if you're able to access it from a computer, you might have a little more luck. So you got this job early on, 
you were all excited. And then what happened? I was contacted by another company offering me a specific range that I was like, wait a second. That's a lot more than I'm making right now. Like or how that much I more? would be making. 20 to $30 more an hour. Offering overtime as well. Who did you call? Well, I <laughs> what did you call, do? I had to call Dr. Venegas. I said, listen, I have been... I have been approached with this offer <laughs> and I said, help me because I don't know. Like I said, it was the first job that I accepted is in quote jumping ship appropriate. Like I, I don't know. I, I really didn't know what to do. And I asked her because for, for our listeners who aren't paying attention is me. She called me yes. <laughs> and asked <laughs> what she should do. And, mm-hmm. and what did I tell you? You told me. I don't owe anyone anything Mm -hmm. and that I should take the job that is offering the most money because especially as a new grad, like we need something to stand on as we're entering this like new world. We've got a lot of stuff going on. A lot of us have student loans. We're going to be paying for housing on our own, all of these kinds of new things as we're entering this like new chapter of our life you should be taking higher offers of pay if it's kind of like the right situation for you. We're entering this new chapter of our life where we have housing to pay for, just just different things that we're going to have to think of financially. So taking a job that has maybe a higher offer, of course, if it's like a better situation for you, obviously look at benefits. Look at all these things that the company is offering you. And if it's a better situation for you, if you're comparing and you're looking at if it seems like a better situation for you, then you should take that offer that has um, higher pay. And in when she said that, I initially thought, obviously, that's that's what I wanted. Like, you see that and you're like, wait, what? Like, for the same exact job that I'd be doing it's just with a different company area whatever you're doing something that's not even different but for 20 to 30 dollars more an hour yeah I'm gonna take that the same exact school district Mm -hmm. just so the level of corporate greed there (laughs) because you know we don't know the ins and outs of what the school is paying these contract companies for their services, but it's likely similar. And so for them to be offering you so much more to be able to afford that just makes that other offer crazy and, and Mm -hmm. quite frankly, insulting to you. So I told you compare the benefits packages because Company one that you had already signed with could have been giving you three weeks of vacation and company two could have been giving you two days of vacation. So tell us about those benefits packages. What did the first company look like and what did the second company look like? So insurances were similar. So I'm getting like state teacher insurance, which I've worked at a school previously and no complaints about the insurance there. They've always covered the things that I've needed. I've never needed to dip into out-of-pocket things personally for anything. So 
that's been great. But something that is different was the amount of sick days. And those are important to me just because you never know like what could happen. And this company that was offering a higher rate, they did have better sick days or days that you take off for whatever reason is something also that I wanted to follow based on the fact that you need some of those days. Again, you don't, anything could happen. You don't know what could happen. You could get sick. Again, you just really don't know. So it's important to have those days um, that you can take just in case. Benefits were similar. Mm-hmm. Big time, time off was better with the second offer. Money was yeah. better with the second offer. Mm-hmm. So this like, this seems obvious, right? So <laughs> what, why didn't you just make the switch? What were you worried about? What was going through your head? I think there was that sense with a company, you're kind of, you're talking to a recruiter, you talk to different people within the company. I felt like maybe I was like deep into it with this first company. The people were so lovely. They were so nice. Um, They really were checking in. Yeah, I felt like maybe like a little bit of that sense of loyalty, like you've been in talks with this company for um, a bit now and this is what you've accepted. And so I didn't even know how to send in like, okay, I'm, thank you for your time. I'm now going to be working for this other company now. Again, I called Dr. Menegas like four times. (laughs) I was asking her for, you know, how do I say this? What do I say for this? It's just like, it's, it's as in future new grad, it's just going to be like really it was, it was kind of scary in that sense of, oh, no, you're, you're telling someone like, thanks for the offer, but it's actually not going to work out because X, Y, and Z. And it just wasn't something that I was like, super confident with. But obviously, looking at it now in hindsight, it's such an obvious, did I really need to call you and say, what should I say? I mean, <laughs> at the time, I really did. You know what I mean? Like, in my mind, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to ask her what she thinks about this and um, where I should go from here. But now it's like obvious. I, I'm glad that I, I took this other offer and really grateful for both opportunities because it's it's been like a, a definitely a huge like learning lesson. But I think it's important that that switch was important. That's those are the things that you do when you have a good mentor, though. You call and ask those yeah. kinds of questions, especially a mentor. Who's- yeah been in this for a while and kind of knows the drill, but I want to even go before you cut, you gave it away that you took the job, but, but before I I want, there, there were some other discussions that we had that I I want, I want to talk about with you. You were also Mm -hmm. worried. I think you touched on it a little bit. You Mm -hmm. were worried about your sense of obligation. I think what are the obligations that you have to company number one, because you did sign on the dotted line. You're you signed. You committed. You know what? Yeah. What were the obligations? Were you going to get in trouble? Were you going to look unprofessional? Mm-hmm. Was you know what would this look like to the school if they see you switching companies? Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. one thing that I alerted you to was something called a non compete agreement or a non compete clause. Mm-hmm. I've had my eye on this. It is something that is in legislation now, I believe, to be banned. 
but it has already been banned in California. And that I knew, but I I told you to double check it. I just looked it up while you were talking and it's the California Business and Professions Code section 16600. And it states any contract that restricts an individual from engaging in a lawful profession, trade or business is null and void. So I told you, I didn't think you needed to worry about that but check it. And we have a family friend who had signed a non-compete and left to go to a different company. This was unrelated to healthcare, unrelated to speech. Uh, It was in the sales world. He actually got sued and they spent thousands of dollars. He could have been let go. It was awful for their family. So there are states that are still allowing this. So if you're a listener and you're thinking of making some kind of switch like this, make sure you're looking into your state laws about non-competes. And it's something to look for when you're signing for a job. For example, in, in my husband's industry, he worked for a similar company that he had worked for in Ohio, not the same company, but a similar company. (laughs) When we decided to move from that state back to Ohio, he was switching back to the company he had worked for before, but he had a non-compete that said he couldn't work within like 200 miles of of a competitor or something like that. Well, there Mm -hmm. was one, one, one place, not exactly close to here, that was associated with the company he was leaving. And we were afraid he wasn't going to be able to return to his old job. And thankfully, they released released him and said, we will not pursue the non-compete. But, you know, that could have been a huge issue for us. The whole reason we had agreed to move back was for him to take this job. And then we realized, oh, my gosh, there's this one location that could prevent all of this. So look at that. Hopefully it goes away. Restriction of trade, I think, is awful. And just another issue that not just speech pathologists, but everyone needs to to know about. So be checking your contracts, be looking for Mm non-competes. Don't let them brush you off if you ask about them, but inquire about really what those are and maybe try to negotiate them away if you're really concerned. So you checked well, maybe you didn't. I'm assuming you checked the no. compete law. I printed out both contracts and I thoroughly went through it. It was something that I was worried about. I'd even been told just, I think this is important to mention too. Before I took either job, I asked a friend who worked at a elementary school and she had not in the area either. This is in a different part of California completely, but she had just applied directly to the school. And she said, I highly suggest just contracting directly with the school. Do not do these companies. She she had told me not to. And she had said, I've just heard a lot of things about the non-compete. And it was something that did scare me at first. But like I said, the, the, the enticing part was that like backbone. You have all the support kind of working with a company. And that was something that I was interested in. But so, so there's already people um, who kind of know about all of the like contracting out through companies and they have their opinions um, on that. And I totally think that that's valid because for working, I've worked for a school district before as an assistant and there's just so many benefits to contracting directly with a school district. Looking at it from that sense of I, w- I was worried about that non-compete clause. It was something I had mentioned to you. Wait a second. 
I said, you said, you should take it. I said, wait, what if I can't though? What, I just, what if I can't? What if I, <laughs> you know what I mean? What if I'm doing myself a disservice right now? Cause I'm going to cut things off here and maybe I, what if I can't? So I looked at both contracts very thoroughly and saw that there was no non-compete clause. And not only that, like you said, something like that cannot even happen in the state of California right now. So that was something that I was like, okay, well, if there's nothing like that, here we go. Yeah. And I told you, don't resign from company one until you've signed with company two. If you're going to decide to make that switch, make sure, because it did sound a little too good to be true. So make sure that everything was on paper, everything was on writing, and that you accepted the second position before letting the first position go. Yeah. Um, So there are some normal questions that we ask people. So I want to slip them in right here. We we talked a yeah. little bit. You said the PTO was better. What is mm-hmm. the PTO offer with the new job? It is five days total, but you have to think about the hours there. So you can use an hour at a time. You don't have to take off a full day or you can use like a quarter of a day or a half a day. Mm-hmm. Plus it's a school. So you get off all of the holidays that they're off. You get off the summers. Mm-hmm. So it's just five days. That's your sick time and personal time all together. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so they had also said that depended, like when we talked about it, I was like, okay, so this is important to me. What if something happens? They just had said we have individual situations where emergencies happen and things happen like that. And of course, we allot for more time and it's circumstantial sometimes. So it felt nice that they were even offering a per circumstance kind of thing per individual depending on what you need, what's going on. So, I mean, I never asked that for the first company, so I don't know. Maybe that was something that they were also willing to give, but I never asked. Here's something that we haven't brought up Mm -hmm. on this podcast yet is the issue of FMLA. So FMLA, the Family Medical Leave Act, companies have to provide that if they have over a certain number of employees. That is not a paid leave, but legally Mm -hmm. they have to provide it to you. So be aware if the job that you're applying for would qualify to give you FMLA. If you're applying to a small private practice where it's just you and two other people, that company might not have to give something like that. Then you have to look at disability. Is the company offering any short-term or long-term disability And if they're not, do you have the option of buying into that? This is especially important for women of childbearing age, because if you have a baby in the middle of the school year or even as a med SLP, are you going to have any time off that's paid? And and what's that going to look like? So do those five days, do you know if they roll over year to year if you don't take them? I really don't know. I, I My guess is I don't think so. I'm not super sure. I'd have to look at it again. Something that's important, though, right? that is too. You know, if they right. roll over, then yeah. Mm-hmm. Because then if something happens, and most jobs do allow that type of thing, or at least that type yeah. of thing up to a certain number of hours, they allow them to roll over. Typically in state systems in schools, 
especially if you're on the, the teacher's pay scale, you're acquiring those hours and teachers, unless they're really sick, they're never taking time off. Same with SLPs in schools. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Then when you retire, typically they'll pay that out. That's different mm-hmm. since you're with a contract company, you're not acquiring that type of benefit, but I'd be surprised if they didn't let you roll anything over. So that's something to find yeah. out. And for yeah. everyone listening, who's new to the workforce or looking for jobs, be asking about that. What, what rolls over and the advice that I give use up every single hour of what doesn't roll over because that is part of your benefits package. Take a mental health day, sleep in, go see a movie in the middle of the day, go, go buy yourself lunch, do something, take that time off for you because that is part of your benefit and you deserve it. So do it. Do you know, are, are there caseload caps in California? Yes, there is. So what what kind of caseload would you be looking at with this job? From my understanding, it would be 60 students. And that is like across the board in the state of California. It might be different for different districts. I've heard 50 before as well per per individual 50, but I'm looking at 60. And do you know with this employer, do you have the opportunity to make additional money? So can you work the summer to see summer kids or can you get paid with extra education, anything like that? Um, That's a good question. I know that I've got some overtime hours. I've, I didn't ask how that works. If it's kind of like take as you need you know what I mean? Like if you are working late on an IAP and it's past your contracted hour, like, do you report that yourself? Like, I don't know. It's something that I do need to ask about. There's that time over time, but it is a, a track school. So they're starting in July. That's really common as well. So starting in July, ending maybe like later June, a lot of schools do summer school. So that is something that is offered work summer schools. A lot of SLPs do that, but um, a track school, it's common in this area that you're kind of looking at um, not a huge break for the kids or employees for the summer, but you do get those breaks, Christmas break and two weeks here and there for holidays and that kind of stuff. You're looking at breaks at different times. So it it all kind of evens out. When this airs, in a week, you're going to have to go back and listen and start making a list of all the things you need to ask. And all the listeners (laughs) who are looking at applying jobs, make the list with her because these are great things to find out in terms of compensation and benefits because, you know, you should know when you're, you're clocking in overtime and how that works. works. Yeah. So I think it's clear you decided to take job number two. I I, I thoroughly convinced you that you don't owe them a darn thing. And I think Mm -hmm. something else I may have said was, generally speaking, and this isn't everyone, Mm -hmm. but generally speaking, in corporate America, in healthcare, in schools, your employers do not care about you. They will let you go in two seconds if it is beneficial to them, you know, there's layoffs, people are let go, people are fired all the time. It doesn't matter if you give them your blood, sweat, tears, and toenail of your first child, they'll (laughs) let you go. And so you don't owe them anything. Yeah. And so you, you have, it's time now you have to look out for you. 
And so mm-hmm. you decided to make the switch and yeah. you wrote them a very lovely resignation letter. It was like three sentences long. Yeah. It did short. short. Thank you for the opportunity. And I, I did mention, make sure you tell them in that letter why you're leaving. Hey, you're undercutting me. Like, don't say it that way, but you know, you said <laughs> that you'd been offered a, a similar position for way more money. They right. need to know they're losing good SLPs because of corporate greed. So you mentioned mm-hmm. that and it was a great letter. Did you hear back from them? Yeah. I'd like to say like from the beginning, this company has always been like super lovely and they probably are to most of their employees. Really, really like great. They asked, can we, may we ask what it was? Maybe we can counter. I had just decided not to even respond at all. Nothing personal, but they, they did like make sure can we get jumped on a call like that kind of thing they they did want to kind of ask like what what it was that I was being offered and now see this is where I would have gotten cutthroat like they opened the door (laughs) for you yeah to say yes you can you can let's negotiate Mm -hmm. the heck out of this the company is giving me twenty dollars an hour or more I'll stay with you if you give Mm -hmm. me twenty five dollars an hour or more you ask these things. So if this ever happens to you again, you play yeah. these companies off of each other. Just right. play it. Play it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to ask this because I, I already know, but I didn't mm-hmm. give you the advice to negotiate with job number two because they were offering you so much more. It yeah. seems to me like they were giving you their best offer. You yeah. could have negotiated, you, you know, you could have said to them, I have already signed a contract to work in that particular school district. If you could pay me $23 more, I'd be willing to leave. Yeah. And I bet you they might have thrown, I should have given you that advice. <laughs> me. I bet you they would have come back with a buck or two more. <laughs> it's done. You'll, you'll do it next yeah. time. right okay so I'm assuming you're happy with your salary yeah I am actually I've got no complaints here and again it's like contracting through a company you have some of the things that I mean I'm sure that the schools would have helped me do this anyways but it's like you have people who they're emailing for you and they're letting you know your start time is this. They figure out all of these things for you and they let you know, this is when you're starting. This is the school you're at. This is who your supervisor is. It's some of these things that maybe like we would stress about. I know I I do and I, I was for a while, like who is my supervisor going to be? How am I going to figure this out? They do some of that legwork for you. And so it feels very like, I just have to show up ready for the job on my first day, meet everybody and be myself and kind of takes that like pressure off of it. You just feel that extra sense of support. So it is something I'm happy with, not even just the offer and pay, but just in general, the communication that I've been having back and forth with the people. I have nothing but great things to say so far. Let's do some of these rapid fire questions before we get to the three main ones that we normally ask. 
I wanted to ask you, how much did you pay for grad school? Okay, so are you asking total how much it was or out of my pocket per semester, what am I pay? What did I pay? Tell me total what it was first. A little bit. It's it looks like with everything a little bit over $100,000. Out of state to a private university. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. I just <laughs> I just had to breathe there. I had I, no idea. That's how much that's, but that's not what you paid out yeah. of pocket, right? No, there's right. things we've got to talk about a little bit. Yes. With this. Okay. So tell us why didn't you pay? Well, the school offers all of us as grad students to be GAs for our professors and faculty. And that is paying for a bit of your tuition and not just a, a, a little bit you're looking at a big chunk of tuition so that's something that's already kind of built into the program so that that's a really great incentive for <laughs> going to a private school that <laughs> you're looking at basically that much and not only that i i took out loans as well because i wasn't able to pay for the difference in straight out of pocket but i i did pay for some of each semester out of pocket as well though. So I try to be as reasonable as possible with it. How much are you going to owe when it's time to start paying your loans back? For loans, I wrote it down. I owe $36,000 in student loans. Well, that's not too shabby. It's really not. Um, I, I worked for from undergrad in, in between undergrad to graduate school. I worked as an SLPA and that helped. And I lived at home with my parents. So that helped a lot with saving money and being able to pay for graduate school on my own. And I have, I, I've done the math for all of this. So every semester, there's four semesters, I paid $6,942 from my own bank account to the school. So in total, I paid $27,768 for school. For grad so school. That also, yeah. So that also helped a lot that I was able to do that on my own. Obviously, I owe in student loans, but you know what? It's not as bad as it could be. And I'm okay That's with true. that. <laughs> I want to just clarify yeah. real quick because people are going to be really confused when they just heard you say for four semesters, Skylar. Right is in mm -hmm. an accelerated program, which is yeah. not for the faint of heart, but she mm -hmm. has made it. <laughs> so the program Skylar is in is a four semester intensive graduate program. Yes. So yeah. that helped us <laughs> that you see a little savings there as well. And yep, those GA do. positions, there are three different rates depending mm -hmm. It's 40% or more is what the GAs yeah. are getting for that mm -hmm. program. So every student gets a GA position of 40% tuition, remittance, or more, which is really nice. Yeah, definitely. Definitely helped. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so let's do some of these rapid fire questions. How much is Target paying per hour where you live? What's the starting wage? $15.75 minimum wage. And how much is a gallon of gas at your nearest gas station? 
Uh, regular would be $4.80. And how much is a two-bedroom house that you would want to live in, not a fixer-upper, selling mm-hmm. for in your area? That average price is looking at about $400,000. Okay. Since you're a special guest on our podcast, <laughs> who's kind of the outside outside of the typical guest we've had, I'm adding a question. Yeah. What advice would you have for other graduate students who are starting to look for jobs, who are interviewing for jobs? What would you say to them? I would say don't take your very first offer. I think we get so excited. I personally got so excited. And I think as when we're looking for jobs, you're hearing like your classmates looking for jobs. You start looking for jobs. You get so excited. Offers will come. I feel like we're not a dime a dozen. People always need and want SLPs. You're going to get so many job offers and it's going to feel super exciting, but you also kind of, you're in that position where you can look at everything and negotiate and compare. And I think that's awesome that we're able to do that. I, I don't regret anything. I think that my whole situation was like a really good learning lesson. And I felt a little silly at first, but, but really I was grateful for the first opportunity and I'm grateful for this new opportunity and new chapter that I'm kind of following as well. It's just one of the things we get excited and you take that first offer or you think like, oh my gosh, like this is great. And you maybe start looking at other things and you're like, oh wait, maybe it's not like the best offer. But I always think look for best offer, but also look at benefits and look to see what the environment's like and just make sure it's the best fit for you because I do think it's important to especially being a new grad being financially stable and taking a job that offers good pay but also being happy I would hate to start a job and then be like wait this isn't what I thought it was going to be like or anything and I wouldn't want that for anybody so just make sure that you know, it's what you want and you're going to be happy doing it because I think that's something that's special about our job. We're helping people and we're able to like feel something from our jobs. When I work with kids, I feel so happy. And so I'm excited to start and I'm hoping that, you know, it's just going to be a great time. And I think for all new SLPs, it's going to be a really great time, but it's also going to be really great if you're making the salary and the, yeah. the money that you want to make. So to have fun and to make a livable wage is always something that I, I think of when I like think of my myself and like my classmates who are all from all these different states. When you're thinking of your salary, it's like we're paying for apartments and maybe you have dogs and you're making car payments and, you know, this, that and the third. And You just want to be able to make sure that you're able to afford all of that and have some fun. I say fun money. That's all my spending money, things that I can do. Yeah, you should have fun money and have the opportunity to give yourself fun money to do fun things with your friends and your family and your significant other. We're young and and we should be able to do that. To want that. No, it's not. This is, I say this a lot of times in, in business Unless mm-hmm. it is, but in, in most of our cases, this is not your charity. You, right. You're not writing off everything <laughs> with, yeah. a, with a full-time job funding everything on the side. This 
is your income for mm-hmm. your life and it's time to start your life. And so it is not yeah. selfish to want a reasonable wage. And looking back now that I know your full story, because I knew a lot of the story, but I didn't know some yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Looking back to those eight jobs that you applied to and mm-hmm. only responding to one and taking <laughs> one interview, I think that yeah. that is that was the path. That was the wrong path. I think that's, yes. that's I agree. you lost yes. your way. You should have I taken know. maybe at least two more because mm-hmm. of what you just said to get other right. offers, to see what's yeah. out there. And maybe that job number one that you took was mm-hmm. the right one for you, you know, with the school district that you wanted and you liked the people. But it would have at least given you something to compare to. Even if one of those offers was an hour away from you, they don't need to know that. So maybe you interview for three or four jobs. Maybe you get three offers. You you look at the one you want to take and you say, okay, I have these other offers, but you're the best fit for me. And this was actually my negotiation tip a couple episodes ago you're the best fit for me. Is there something that we can do to get your offer a little bit more competitive with these other two? Because Mm -hmm. I would like to accept your position. I think it's the right one for me. And so probably interviewing for a couple more, responding to a couple more of those. Yeah. I think there's like that. I think that there's that sense of like confidence also. I think we like, we're not even done with with graduate school yet so we feel like this sense of like maybe like a lack of confidence I definitely feel like maybe that's what I was feeling at the time and I should have probably texted you sooner but I I don't know you you kind of like follow things and you're like is this right is it I don't know like I'm gonna do it and there I I do see like a difference right like when I said yes then there was still even though I was like I'm she's so excited there was still that lack of confidence but now I'm like I feel confident about what I accepted I'm happy with it I I'm okay with it now so feeling those two different things would be like oh there's a difference there there was a confidence level there I think maybe that's another good piece of advice too if there's something that you're like maybe it's not all the way feeling like yes like totally yes 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 ask somebody that you trust who's been doing this for a long time and who can offer some really good advice because when I open myself up to okay I do want some advice from someone who I I know knows this better than me it's very very helpful and it kind of can help connect some of those pieces that maybe you're like I'm not very sure you know what I mean so yeah definitely maybe go to someone who you trust for some advice, ask for a second opinion, ask for negotiation tips, <laughs> you know? His pockets. Yes, <laughs> exactly. You, your mm-hmm. story isn't unique. I only no. applied to one job out of yeah. grad school. Uh, it was a, more than a semester before I was graduating. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to move to a specific town. I had a friend graduating one semester before me and she 
got hired at a place I was interested in working and she let me know that they were going to be looking at someone, looking for someone around the time I was graduating. So Mm -hmm. I applied and I got offered the job and we had talked even all these years ago when it was even more taboo to discuss your pay. We had talked about what she was offered and she had negotiated and gotten like four or $5,000 more. So I knew what she was making. And when they offered me the position, they offered me that lower rate that they had offered her. And I was like, oh, hell no, no, no. (laughs) So, you know, I, I used that advice that I, I just gave, I lied, which maybe Mm -hmm. you shouldn't lie, but I lied and said, well, I I do have one other offer on the table that's for $7,000 more. So I I bumped it up a little bit. Is there any way that we could work on your offer? Because I think that your company's the right fit for me. And she ended up paying me the same as what my friend was making, um, which was fine. That's what I was expecting to get. But I, you know, I didn't look elsewhere either. I just as someone who still had a full semester of school left, you know, it wasn't, that semester hadn't even started. I went into that last semester with that job locked down. So talk about low motivation. (laughs) (laughs) I probably did myself a disservice. I should have looked around a little more, but you know, you, you learn from these things and you grow. Yeah. I feel like it's hard to know some of these things unless people talk about it. So it's good to have resources exactly like this podcast so that people can kind of have insight to maybe what other people are being paid. I think it's it's really interesting. The website you mentioned earlier, I did kind of look around maybe what other people were being paid in California after I had accepted that first position. And I was like, oh, it seems I'm a little bit on the lower scale there. Okay. Like, that's interesting. You know, I had some feelings about it, but I was like, I justified it in my mind as, well, I'm a new grad. Should I even be asking for that much money? And I think that's something to like, think about as well, just because you're straight out of graduate school doesn't mean that you should lowball yourself or you should kind of in your mind, I should be accepting an offer this low because I don't have any experience in this and that. Give yourself credit where credit's due and um, you'll always work your way up. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you're gonna work for a higher salary, maybe 10 years down the line, but still, even when you're straight out of graduate school. The other thing was for me, the something that I was thinking, it was the easier route like that. They had offered me a position that was so easy. I was like, oh my gosh, yay. So I I think you get excited. It's like, my gosh, here's an offer and I want to accept. Maybe you think that's what you deserve. But just really look into things and think about things because like you had said, you do yourself maybe a disservice when you don't take the time to really look. And if I would have stayed with that first one, I would have been doing myself a disservice as well. So yeah, things happen for a reason. And if you're someone new who is going into your CF or you're already in your CF, there is no rule that you can't leave your CF by the way. So if you've accepted a CF position and you've already started and and you find out, wow, okay, they're not paying me enough or you or a job gets posted at a place you'd rather work, it is okay to interview and change jobs in the middle of your CF. That is something you can do. 
again, watch out for that non-compete. Just make sure you're not violating anything there because you don't want to end up being sued. But you can change. Just make sure you're looking out for yourself. You're getting all the the paperwork signed for that first leg of your CF, but you you can change jobs in the middle of a CF. So if if you find yourself in a situation where you discover you're not being paid what you're worth or you're really just not happy, it's okay to leave. Is there anything else you want to say, Skylar, before we wrap up? I don't think so. I think we uh I think we covered it. Yeah, I love <laughs> I love that you agreed to come on and talk about this. I thought it was a really good story to share with people mm-hmm. who Yeah. maybe might experience the same thing or even I mean, you had someone contact you with a better offer. Mm-hmm. But maybe they, like we just talked about, maybe they discovered that the offer they accepted was really low. It's okay to go out and look. Yeah, exactly. You gave them plenty of notice. You know, the school year isn't starting. They have plenty of time to find someone else. So it's not like you even put them dirty. It worked out. Yeah. School hadn't started. I felt like I had enough time. And like I had said, I was approached. So it, it was almost something that like, <laughs> I made a joke the other day, it fell into my lap kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. I wasn't even looking, but there it was. So yep. sometimes things happen for a reason kind of thing. And when opportunity presents itself, you should really kind of look into it, I think. Yep. So every episode, I share a negotiation tip. Today's negotiation tip is don't fill the silences. So when you're negotiating, say what you need, be clear about it, ask for it, and then wait for them to respond. A lot of women, especially I think, will become uncomfortable and they'll step in prematurely to back down from what they're asking for and then you lose. So, you know, put on that poker face and wait for them to come back with a response. And it can feel uncomfortable, but you can do hard things. So don't fill the silences. So to wrap up every episode, we end and I let you know that we do have sponsorship for this episode. And in the spirit of full transparency with how we spend this money, half of the money is going to go to you to compensate you for your time with us. And the other half is going to go to the NISLA chapter of your choice. So do you have a NISLA chapter in mind for that money? I do. Where would you like us to send it? I'd like you to send it to Teal College's initial chapter. We can do that. All right, Teal College. Got some money coming. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. And thanks for having your new job and good luck at at graduation in 10 days. I love it. Thank you so much. Very excited. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Next time on Other SLP's Pockets, Jeanette and I are going to dive into the differences between W-2 employment and being an independent contractor with 1099 status. So if you're an SLP who has the option of choosing between the two, or maybe you're looking at different job offers with either W-2 or 1099 status, you definitely don't want to miss that episode. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.